This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. Welcome to The Tonic, your prescription for a healthier and happier life. Here's your host and publisher of Tonic Magazine, Jamie Busson. Hi, I'm Jamie Busson. I'm a former commercial litigator who used to weigh 242 pounds. When I was 38 years old, I lost over 50 pounds through a regimen of exercise and better nutrition. It took me a year to reach my goal, but I thought if a type A personality like me could do it, really anybody can. I'm still asking questions and learning about what it means to live a healthy lifestyle. Please join me on this continuing journey. Today, we'll discuss how to find balance during the holiday season with nutritionist, educator, and researcher Andrea Donsky. We'll learn about microdosing psychedelics for better performance with author and advocate Peggy Vandeplash. We'll find out what it's like to live with Guillain-Barre syndrome with Holly Francis. And lastly, we'll discover the health benefits of tongue exercises with speech-language pathologist Tony Ann and Tony Addo. Before we get to that, here's your tonic quick shot. In Japan, the decline in productivity has become a major social issue as the working age population is decreasing owing to a lower birth rate and an increase in aging population. Therefore, companies are focusing on health and productivity management initiatives to maintain employee health and enhance their work performance. A new study from the University of Tsubuka examined the association between work performance and lifestyle habits among Japanese employees. The results revealed that insufficient sleep was the predominant factor affecting work performance in men and women, followed by a lack of regular exercise and eating late evening meals. Furthermore, the study indicated that men were more likely to exhibit lifestyle habits that impacted work performance than women. I'll be joined by Andrea Donsky in a moment, but first, a little bit of business. Attention men over 50. Do you search for restrooms everywhere you go? Wake up several times at night just to go pee again? Are symptoms of a benign and large prostate taking over? Prostate Perform helps reduce the urgency and frequency of pesky pit stops in as little as 7 to 10 days. Available exclusively through natural health food stores. To ensure these products are right for you, always follow label directions. Andrea Donsky is a registered holistic nutritionist with 20 years experience in natural health and wellness. She's the co-founder and editor-in-chief of NaturallySavvy.com and a frequent contributor to The Tonic. Welcome back to the show, Andrea. How are you doing? I'm good, Jamie. Thanks for having me. Always love being here. The holidays are coming up. It's that time of year. We're going to talk about how we can reduce some of the stress from the holidays and sort of find balance. And, you know, other than avoiding certain family members, what do you, what do you think we can do? <laughs> okay. So first of all, yeah, there's, I, can you, it's like amazing to me that it's now holiday time. So there are several things that we can do to help with stress and reduce our anxiety, including prioritizing what we need to do and then planning ahead of time what we need to get done. So one thing that I've been doing a lot lately is kind of looking at things in like compartments and doing little bits at a time so that I'm not doing everything at once as to not overwhelm myself. So even if it's like 10 minutes a day organizing myself or starting to prepare for some of the smaller things that you're able to do in advance, it can really help to reduce your stress levels and asking for help and delegating more. And I know this can be hard for some of us, myself included, because we like to do a lot of it ourselves. 
But asking for help can make our lives much easier and less stressful. And people are generally willing to help when you ask them in a nice way, of course. (laughs) I'm always like, can you please help me? You know, and if you find it hard to do everything you're asked to do, just set boundaries and learning to say no. It's, It's so interesting. I was recently listening to an interview with Jane Fonda, and she was saying how no is a complete sentence. And as women, we tend to take on a lot. And then we suffer the consequences. So I'm personally trying to do more of this myself, and I find it's really helping. That makes a lot of sense. What about yeah. what about our daily routines? Is there any sort of edification we can do there? Yeah, I mean, truthfully, it's just sometimes the simplest things can make the biggest difference. So finding, like I said, the five or ten minutes a day to do some breath work, meditation, going for a quick a quick walk around the block, maybe going for a walk in nature. All of that will do wonders for helping to reduce our stress levels. And it's about finding those small pockets of calm amidst the chaos, especially as the holidays approach. Yeah, I mean, I have my own ways of, you know, finding little breaks in the day. But do you have any sort of relaxation tricks or mindfulness Jedi techniques that you might (laughs) suggest that we can incorporate into our days? Well, I don't even know if you just realized it when you kind of when you said it, you're like, I find some like some technique. So breathing, yeah. <laughs> exactly what you just did. I don't know if it was conscious or kind of subconsciously that you did it, but one of my favorite things is to breathe. So and I'd love you to do it with me. So what we're going to do is we're going to do a double inhale mm-hmm. followed by a third inhale mm-hmm. and then exhale to the count of six. So breathe in. So breathe in one, two, breathe in two breaths. Yep. Take a third one in. If so you take an extra breath and then breathe out for six, counting backwards in your head. And what this does while you're doing that is this type of breathing helps to calm our nervous system, our autonomic nervous system, and it stimulates the parasympathetic part of our nervous system. So that's the part of our nervous system that helps us to relax, to just take it down a notch. And you can do it anytime, anywhere, including when you're running your errands or you're stressed and you're preparing your your house for your guests, you're cleaning, excuse me, or even if you're cooking, right? So it's kind of like that portable stress reliever and it works. See, for me, the cooking is the stress release. Well, what I just did is something that I do in traffic because I have road rage, right? So, so the, oh so the, the breathing in and the breathing out is what I'm required to do before I have a coronary on the roads. But that's a separate, again, that's another it, show. That's yet another show. Like it, it really works. The research shows that it works. It does. What about getting active? How, can, mm. how, how might that help us cope better? So I love this. And exercise allows us to take a break from our stressful thoughts. And research shows that it helps to reduce our stress levels and make us more resilient to stress so that we can cope better with stress. So one of the things that I'm doing now as I'm getting older, like you were saying, we're getting old. So one of the things now I'm in my 50s, lifting weights is a non-negotiable. Correct. So muscle strength, right? It helps with muscle strength because we are more prone to losing muscles as we get into this phase of life, sarcopenia, which is called sarcopenia. Yep. But setting aside a time, so let's say you can't do that. Setting aside a time is key. So if you don't have space in your home or you can't go to the gym, you can walk around a shopping mall to get your steps in. And keep in mind, we, you know, although we're doing a lot of running around at this time of the year, like our errands, our shopping for gifts, our cleaning our house, but if you're stressed while you're doing any of these, then it counteracts the benefits. So just be mindful of that. Do your deep breathing while you're doing it. Try to keep that parasympathetic part of your nervous system stimulated more often than the sympathetic, and that's where you'll get those benefits. You know, I have been incorporating more weights into my workouts 
and cutting back on cardio, cardio. You know, which was recommended to me as, as I hit my 50s. But what I'm finding is I have to focus on the weights so much that I'm actually removing myself from all the things in my mind that are causing me stress because yeah. I can't worry about the stress and focus on the weight li- right. weights at the same time. So right. I'm, fi- I'm finding that it has a collateral benefit, clears my mind. And sometimes the problems that I'm wrestling with, the muses kind of pop up while I'm working out and the answers pop into my head. I don't yeah. know if that works for you, but that, that's... Oh, my I- gosh, yes. And especially like, you know, and I love what you're saying, doing more, more of the strength training, but also you can do yoga, right? Yeah. I find like if I'm doing any of those those exercises that really stimulate our brain, I find that's where it also helps, like really clarity comes in and ideas are generated. So yeah, I I totally agree. Right. And so if people do want to do yoga, they should come to OMTO on December 17th. Again, another topic. What about the the interrelationship between stress and sleep? So this is my favorite thing to talk about because I call myself a, a sleep hacker, a menopause sleep hacker with our new company, which is Morpheus. And Stress and sleep are closely related. So when we don't sleep well, we're more tired and we're more susceptible to stress and less able to cope with it. So it becomes this vicious circle. So it's really important that we implement sleep hygiene tips as well as a consistent sleep routine. So, for example, you know, you can do gentle stretching or yoga before bed. Don't do anything that's too stimulating or invigorating because it might invigorating because it might keep you awake and might have a harder time falling asleep. Reading a book, not on technology if you can. If you're doing it on a tablet or a phone, make sure there's no blue light. Make sure you have a filter or a night or blue blocking glasses on because blue light stimulates you to wake up. Something to keep in mind or, or read the real thing, actual paper book or actual book. Make sure your room is dark and cold. So you want that, you know, 65 to 68 degrees. You can wear a sleep mask if your room isn't dark. You don't want to eat a big meal within three or four hours of going to bed because then what's happening is your body is digesting as opposed to repairing and it will interrupt your sleep. You want to take, you can take a warm bath with Epsom salt. You can add a little bit of essential oils to it. And one of the keys I have found actually, two more things, is one is going to bed before 11. I find that that really helps with getting more deep sleep and I track everything for sleep. So that I found to be the most, consistent in terms of helping me get more deep sleep and then supplements. So I'm a big believer as we get older is to take supplements that help us sleep. So I'm a fan of melatonin. Mm-hmm. And I was actually listening to a doctor recently who came up with a term called melatonopause. And he was saying that because as we age, we no longer make our body no longer makes our own melatonin. So we need to get it from an outside source. So you could take it as a liquid, a tablet, or capsules, and they come in different dosages, like 3, 5, or 10 milligrams. And you want to take the one that works best for your body. I always say start low, bring it up, and increase it if you need to. And then you can also find sleep supplements that have formulas with a mix of different sleep-promoting ingredients in them. But the key is really making sleep a priority. Okay, what about adaptogens? We've been, you know, it's sort of a buzzword out there. How can they help? I like adaptogens. Adaptogens are like a band-aid. So what they are is they're herbs. They're, they, they're herbs that help our bodies cope better with stress. So they sort of act like a shield against the chaos, supporting our system when things get too overwhelming, like, like we're talking about like during the holiday rush. So whether you're dealing with high stress levels or feeling fatigued, adaptogens are thought to help bring your body back into a state of balance. And they help to enhance our body's overall resilience to stress over time. So this could mean better energy levels, improved cognitive function, and a stronger immune system. But adaptogens aren't for everybody because if you have some pre-existing conditions, there might be some contraindications, right? 
Yeah, like with anything, right? Like, so you always want to read the labels. It's really important that you read the label of the supplement you're buying. If there are any cautions or warnings that apply to you, don't take them. And you'll see them on the bottles, in, you know, on the shelves in, the, in your health food store or wherever you buy your supplements. They will have cautions or warnings on the bottle um, if, if, they're in, if they're indicated on whatever it is you're buying. And if you're concerned, obviously speak to your doctor or your healthcare provider before taking anything, especially if you're on medication or you have any type of chronic illness. Okay. You're in favor of adoptogens. Are you taking any currently or ones that you might recommend? So my favorite, so what I do, I actually love my favorite adoptogen is holy basil. It's also known as healthy. So it's known for calming the effects of the nervous system and holy basil helps to reduce stress and anxiety and it's rich in antioxidants. So I, that's personally, that's my favorite. Mm -hmm. So you could take it as a supplement and you want to look for one that has a minimum of 10% ursolic acid or you can drink it as a tea. It won't be as strong as a supplement would be, but um, you can drink it as a tea as well. Another adaptogen is called the ashwagandha. I'm, I'm sure you've heard of it. Of Very course. familiar with for a lot of people. Yep. And what it can do is help to calm the nerves and increase resistance to stress and anxiety, and especially for people who have a history of chronic stress. So you want to look for a brand that has at least 5%. It's called withanolides, which is the active ingredient. The only issue I have with, uh, you know, with ashwagandha, well, a couple of things is one is a word of caution is that it's a nightshade. So if you have any sensitivities to nightshades or you have a thyroid issue, then you want to speak to your doctor before taking it. So just always listening to your body, right? That's mm-hmm. the key for when I, and whenever I talk about supplements in general, always listening to your body. And then I also like mushrooms. So functional mushrooms like reishi and chaga, they're amazing. So they're adaptogens, but they're also amazing for our immune system. And you can get them as supplements or you can get them as a tea. So you can make a reishi tea. And I'm a big fan of tea, by the way. Mm-hmm. So you can make reishi or chaga tea. You can buy the mushrooms dried. You get them from your local health food store. And then you could steep them. Just follow the directions on the package. And you can actually steep them to make a tea. Excellent. All right. Mm-hmm. So th- there are like there, there are a cohort of people who, who simply can't have adaptogens because of pre-existing conditions. And, and you know, you, you've given some good advice on, you know, considering whether you can take it. If you know you cannot have adaptogens, are there other options? Absolutely. Like omega-3s are amazing. I'm a big fan of omega-3s. First of all, they help with dryness, dry eyes, itchy ears, dry scalp. I mean, they're amazing for hydrating your skin from the inside out. But also they help to improve our mood and reduce inflammation. So omega-3 fish oils have something called EPA and DHA, which are essential fatty acids. But if you're looking for help, for dealing with stress in particular, you can look for a product that has a higher amount of EPA because EPA has been shown to help to help with mood. But if you can't find that, then at least find a fish oil that has an equal ratio of EPA to DHA. Okay. And then I also like probiotics. There's another one which has been shown to help with mental health as well as digestion and immunity. And I know you're a fan of probiotics too, Jamie. Yep. For me, and it's also now like everything is that about that whole gut-brain connection, and it's so hot now as a topic for research. And funny enough, I just did a TV segment on CityLine last week about uh, the gut-brain connection and how it can help. So really looking at, you know, probiotics and then lavender, which is another option. You can burn lavender candles, diffuse some lavender oils. You can put some in your bath or on your pillow or take it as a supplement. Okay, so we, we've thrown out a lot of different ideas, lifestyle choices and, and supplements, which might help. When we're combining some of these or most of these or a few of these, how do we make sure that they work together to give us the stress beating power up that we're looking for? The key is just finding your sweet spot, right? So supplements are great, but they're meant to complement your lifestyle changes, 
right? So that to me, it's, it's, it works. It's called a supplement for a reason. So you want to pair the supplement with your morning walk or a cup of tea or reading that book or going for a walk in nature. All of that amplifies their effects. Right. You know, like if you're living a, he- a hectic lifestyle and you're not exercising and you're not sleeping and you're not eating right, you could probably take all the supplements in the world and they're not going to give you what you're looking for. Right. Like it, they're just Bingo. not. They're not. Exactly. You know, and that, it, it's and that's it. It's all about, you know, doing it as a team. It, I call it synergistic effects. Right. Right. So, you know, we're focusing on the holidays because, you know, they are they're so rapidly approaching. But looking past the holidays, how do you see these practices and supplements contributing to overall health and well-being in the long run? Well, it's just consistency. It's about consistency. And these habits, they build resilience for us and they keep us more balanced. So and the key is just keeping us more equipped for better stress all year round. I agree. And, and you know, like once I find that once you start down the path, right, like I started this journey a while ago, you know, right before I started the magazine, it becomes easier once you do it, right? It becomes like literally a lifestyle choice as opposed to the chore that you have to do in order to be healthy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think it, the key is really the, you know, exactly the consistency, a little bit goes a long way, you know, don't going over, don't go overboard and being consistent. Like the consistency, I can't stress enough. The cons- being consistent is where you're going to see the results. And the thing with supplements in particular it's not a medication, right? Yeah. So, you know, when you take something for the first time, you're like, oh, I didn't feel the effects. Well, you have to take it consistently and sometimes for two or three months to see those effects. So I feel like, you know, keeping in mind and having setting those expectations up front make a really big difference. So just kind of looking at it as an overall part of your lifestyle, looking at nutrition, looking at managing your stress levels like we talked about today, looking at taking those supplements, all of that work together to help you live that health, you know, that, that lifestyle that you're looking to get to help you balance your health, to help you give you that, that overall thriving feeling, right, that you're able to just achieve by when you look at it. It's not looking at it as, as a, in, in a vacuum, right? It's looking at it together as a lifestyle, a way of balance. Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. I always love chatting with you, Jamie. That was Andrea Donsky. We have to take a short break, but when we return, we'll discuss microdosing for performance on The Tonic. OMTO is back. Brought to you by ColdFX, CanPrev, and AOR. OMTO is a yogic celebration of the winter solstice, a full day of specially curated and themed yoga classes led by the most dynamic and popular instructors from the top studios in Toronto. Hundreds of yogis from across the GTA will come to partake in this one-of-a-kind yoga experience and practice in unique themed classes, nourishing your body and mind at a time of year when we need it the most. Guests can reserve their space online in advance. There'll be music, contests, free giveaways, and special offers for our guests. And a portion of the proceeds from ticket sales will go to charity. OMTO, December 17th. Save the date. Tired of lineups at your pharmacist? Why not try PharmaZ at the Zoomer store? Powered by the Health Depot, an Ontario-accredited pharmacy, PharmaZ offers a concierge approach to filling, refilling, and managing your prescriptions with free delivery anywhere in Ontario. To get started, visit zoomerstore.com and click on PharmaZ. And then click on the Circle of Care Pharmacy program for your free initial consultation with a clinical pharmacist. Don't wait. Go today. Welcome back to The Tonic. 
your prescription for a healthier and happier life. Here's your host and publisher of Tonic Magazine, Jamie Busson. As a top business and finance professional turned microdosing expert, Peggy Vandeplash is changing the conversation and explaining how microdosing is making its way into the boardroom. She explains why top CEOs like herself are reaching for the microdose diet to enhance performance in their career. Welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for the invitation. So I know a little bit about microdosing because I know some people who do it. But for those who don't, what is microdosing? Well, it's very simple. It's about taking small doses of any substance. So in the context of microdosing psychedelics, it's about taking a small dose of psychedelics every two days, every three days. So you're microdosing with psilocybin, is that right? I do. So psilocybin is magic mushroom for people who are not familiar with that, yes. Have you microdosed with other psychedelics or is it... No, I always stuck with psilocybin. I really like it. It's a natural product. It's mushroom, obviously. It's very easy to access and it is very financially accessible. So I really, really like psilocybin. Have you, did you ever take those trips down to South America where you have the guided journeys and things like that? Have I, you done that? I actually did a, a guided journey last year, but actually in Canada, in Kelowna. Okay, we've had those people out on the show, actually. Oh, the Journeyman Collective. Exactly. Exactly. I took my journey with them. They were fabulous. It was an incredible experience. So uh, I'm going to get a little personal. Why did you choose to do this? Did you read up about it or did you know somebody who, who had done it? Well, I started microdosing psilocybin and I really loved, you know, the results I had with that. So I decided, well, why don't I do a journey? But I absolutely wanted to do it in Canada. Okay. And I absolutely wanted to do it with experts who were using psilocybin and the journeyman collective were the best in that, uh, in that particular industry. So, so why psilocybin? Like why specifically? Again, I really like the fact that it is natural. Okay. You know, it's, it's way easier to make sure that the quality is premium versus something that is done in a lab and I have no control about who's doing what. So let's talk personally about the benefits that you've experienced from microdosing. Do you want to talk us through and let us know what that's about for you? Yes, absolutely. I think it's very important. And my experience is very uh, common. So it's not just specific to me. It's what people who microdose psilocybin will, will, uh, will see. So I will look at it in three different buckets. First bucket is mental health. Okay. Second bucket is performance. And third bucket is consciousness. So in the mental health bucket, think about stress reduction, anxiety reduction, but also, you know, PTSD or depression symptoms reduction. So you're going to see a huge mood boost. Mm -hmm. And for many of us, that's definitely something that is a life saver. And for me, it was the case. That's why I started microdosing psilocybin. Do, do you suffer from anxiety? Was that, was that an issue for you? I was suffering from all of the above. Oh, okay. So I can tell you that uh, for me, it has been life changing because it was uh, very, very uh, problematic in my life. I've always been able to manage it, mm -hmm. but it was require, requiring a lot of effort, a lot of willpower, and it was draining emotionally. So now that has removed a huge weight from my shoulder. So it, it's really life changing. Uh, in terms of the second bucket, performance. Yeah, I mean, I'm interested about that because the first part I'm aware of, I have friends mm -hmm. who kind of tell me it's like you're walking around all day and you're just smiling 
which yeah. you are smiling right now. <laughs> but but the performance issue is intriguing to me. Can yeah. You? And the thing with performance is that so I'm a former venture capitalist and I used to invest in technology companies. So this is usually where people focus on in my industry, I would say, or my former industry. Yeah. And it's really increased creativity, increased focus, but also improvement of, um, I would say, brain cognition, such as memory. Okay. So your performance really, really skyrocket. I wrote a book in 10 days. So you wrote a book in 10 days? Yes, it is, it is quite unbelievable. After it becomes your new baseline, you know, okay. obviously. But uh, so, so performance, again, many people come to microdosing, whether like me from mental health, right. whether from performance, but you benefit from both anyway, you know, like okay. even if you're coming from one or the other. And the third bucket is consciousness. All and, right. And what I mean by that is the relationship with yourself, the relationship with others, increased compassion, increased empathy. So that makes you a better human being all around. So my, one of my favorite TV series is Mad Men. And there's a, there's an episode, which I happened to watch last night, and it wasn't it just happened <laughs> to be where one of the lead characters, Rogers, takes a little LSD trip. Mm-hmm. And... You know, it, it's touted, you know, as dealing with your consciousness and, and, and dealing, you, you know, putting you in a good place. But this is a little bit different, right? Like, this is totally different. The scale is, the scale is different? The scale is absolutely different. And, you know, I would never recommend anyone to do a trip without having professionals guiding them. Okay. And whether it's LSD, whether it's psilocybin, ketamine, doesn't matter, MDMA, never, never take a trip alone in your basement or just with a friend or a family member looking over you, that is a very bad idea. Okay. So like I'm intrigued by the idea, but I have, let's, how shall I put this? I have a very active mind and I tend to be very much glass half empty and I'm very concerned that I'm going to have a bad trip. And, you know, that does occur, right? Uh, It's not apocryphal. Like it happens, right? It does occur. And if you're not well guided the probability is higher and men actually tends to have more bad trip than women. Is that so? Yes. And I think it's really linked to the fact that men don't want to let go. (laughs) They really control things tightly uh, in an experience where, you know, you're supposed to allow, I'm not going to say surrender. People don't really like that word, but, you know, accept and allow and let it go. So a trip is is a different animal. Of course. And that's absolutely not what we're talking about here. We're talking about taking 100 milligram right. of mushroom. A trip would be three grams. Right. So very different. Um, but also you're taking it every two, every three days. You go to work, you do your life. It's honestly, you take it, you don't feel anything. You know, like no physical sensation. There are results, but no physical sensation. Okay, so uh, I'm going to ask you some questions, and you you tell me if you feel comfortable answering them. So, have you felt the need to increase your dosage? Like, does it does it diminish as you take it, or or Uh, absolutely not? Actually, you know, like I'm I I read a lot. I I really really am. I'm quite paranoid when it comes to my health. So, yeah. so making the decision to microdose uh, right. was, was something I did after doing a lot of research, a lot, a lot of research. And one thing that's very interesting with psychedelics is that they are non-addictive. Okay. So that is something that is extremely important for people to know. So if for whatever reason I want to stop for three months, it is not an issue. But it also means that you don't have to increase the dosage to okay. continue to have the benefits. Your brain rewires constantly, thanks to neuroplasticity. You don't have to increase the dosage. 
So in your experience, have you taken some months off in, in your practice? I did simply because when I went and did this couple of ceremonies, yeah. uh, you need to clean up <laughs> gotcha. before. So for, I think, two or three months, I didn't, I didn't microdose. But in your normal course of microdosing, you don't take breaks from it? I don't because I'm constant, you know, I'm uh, one of these people who are hungry for more. Okay. So I constantly want my baseline to increase. All right. So that's why I'm, I'm constantly microdosing, okay. which, which doesn't mean every day. Con okay. Constantly, what I mean by that is that I don't stop for three months, but I microdose every two or every three days. Are you experiencing any side effects at all or any negative issues that arise from taking this? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And what does the research say? Are there, are there any contraindications in microdosing? So contraindications, I would say, are the same if you take any prescribed drugs. Don't do that if you're pregnant. Don't do that if you breastfeed. If you're a minor, not a great idea. Um, people with very heavy mental health issues such as schizophrenia yeah. should not use uh, psychedelics because that can uh, Im increase uh, the challenges. But otherwise, there is no counterindications. And the only risks I know people, and I understand that, look at risks. That's the first thing I looked at when I started. The risk will be if instead of taking 100 milligram every two, three days, you're deciding to take three grams And then you drive on the highway. But that is not different than having a bottle of wine and driving on the highway. It's just stupid. It's not a risk. It's, it's just common, common sense. sense. Exactly. <laughs> so you wrote a book about your experiences, right? So I wrote two books, actually. Okay. My first book, the one I wrote in 10 days, was about my experience. Right. And then I wrote a second book that's going to be published in May, which is called The Microdose Diet. Yes. And it is really about the protocol of microdosing psilocybin combined with alternative therapies such as tapping meditation, guided visualization and journaling to, to really, you know, um, the beauty of microdosing psilocybin, it helps rewire your brain. Mm -hmm. um, but like you, I like to control what I will wire my brain with. Yeah. And that's why I really combine it with something that will help you get to the next level faster, better, easier than just hoping the microdosing itself will do all the work, you know. So are you journaling every day or? I am, uh, you know, and people, you, you can, your notes with people, you. people <laughs> cannot see that. I'm always uh, carrying my journal with me. I journal, I tap, I, you know, this is the protocol I developed for myself. Right. And I've seen such tremendous changes in my life that I decided to share it. And you mentioned I was in finance before and I, I shut down my business. And now I'm 100% focusing on the microdose diet. So that's so much I believe people will benefit from that. It's very hard for those who don't understand how hard it is to be on that track and then sort of totally switch gears. Having done it myself when I was 38, 39 years old, uh, it's a lot and people don't understand it. And it takes a lot of fortitude to do it yeah. because, because people don't quite understand why you're making the change. And, yeah. and, and, it seems almost narcissistic to do it, but, it, but, it, but that isn't what it's really about, is it? Well, it's about, uh, more purpose, yeah. more fun, yeah. more passion, but also more impact. You know, the, the audience, the, the biggest audience I have is my former peers. Right. Entrepreneurs, executives in the tech and financial services industry. And think for a minute, if these people become 
less stressed, less anxious, higher consciousness, more performant. I think that will improve the life of everyone around us. And I really look at that thinking, you know what? I can help make the world a better place. Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you so much for the invitation. That was Peggy Van de Plasch. We have to take a short break, but when we return, we'll discuss what it's like to live with a rare disease on The Tonic. I'd like to give a shout out to our new sponsor, Omega Alpha. This company is 100% Canadian owned. Their team consists of allopathic and naturopathic doctors, nutritionists, researchers, and other scientific professionals, all led by their CEO, Dr. Gordon Chang. Formulations are created on their 40,000 square foot facility located in Toronto. Omega Alpha uses only the highest quality ingredients to manufacture the most efficacious yet price-friendly nutraceuticals. For more information about Omega Alpha, visit OmegaAlphaInc.com. Attention men over 50. Do you search for restrooms everywhere you go? Wake up several times at night just to go pee again? Are symptoms of a benign and large prostate taking over? Prostate Perform helps reduce the urgency and frequency of pesky pit stops in as little as 7 to 10 days. Available exclusively through natural health food stores. To ensure these products are right for you, always follow label directions. Welcome back to The Tonic. Your prescription for a healthier and happier life. Here's your host and publisher of Tonic Magazine, Jamie Busson. The Canadian Organization for Rare Disorders, known as CORD, defines a rare disease as one that affects fewer than 1 in 2,000 people. However, there are over 6,800 different rare diseases in Canada. 1 in 12 Canadians live with a rare disease. So rare diseases aren't so rare after all. Holly Francis is living with Guillain-Barre syndrome, a rare autoimmune disorder that literally traps you in your own body and making you unable to move, speak, or in Holly's case, unable to hold her own newborn child. Holly is supporting the I Am Number One 12 campaign and joins us today. Hi, Holly. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on your show today. So what is Guillain-Barre syndrome, also known as GBS? So Guillain-Barre is a rare autoimmune disorder, as you mentioned, um, and how it uh, works is it affects the peripheral nerves. I always compare it to multiple sclerosis because a lot of people know what MS is. Um, MS affects the brain and the spinal cord. GBS affects all of the peripheral nerves, so all of the nerves outside of the brain and the spinal cord. And what it basically does is it's an autoimmune response. Basically, it'll see an attack on the body and the immune system will respond and it incorrectly starts to attack the peripheral nerves and it causes uh, weakness, it causes pain, and in severe cases like mine, it causes paralysis. Hmm. So how were you diagnosed with GBS? Tell us a little bit about your journey. So I was diagnosed, uh, it actually happened three weeks after giving birth to my daughter. Oh, gosh. And I was completely healthy. I was at home, uh, you know, just adjusting to life as a new mom. And it started with a tingle in my fingertip, and it progressed quite, quite quickly. Uh, it went pain in my neck and kind of having a hard time walking up the stairs. I thought I had a pinched nerve or maybe, or maybe the flu or something. I just wasn't feeling well. 
Um, unfortunately, it progressed so quickly that I went to the ER because the pain was so severe. And I was very lucky that a doctor I saw recognized, you know, the weakness and the tingling and the pain and everything, recognized that it was likely Guillain-Barre syndrome. Um, I was told that I had this rare disease that I had never heard of. Uh, and everything just went downhill so quickly. Within 72 hours of that first tingle in my fingertip, I was completely paralyzed, uh, breathing on a ventilator on life support. And just my life had been changed in the blink of an eye. Oh, my gosh. So forgive my ignorance. Is this hereditary or is it something you catch or do they know how it develops? No, it's it's not hereditary and it's not contagious or anything like that. And like I said, it's an autoimmune response. So it's it's some, the way that your body reacts um, to to some sort of trigger. And so for me, that trigger was likely uh, childbirth or else uh, the C-section that I have, uh, surgery, uh, childbirth. Uh, labor, all of those things um, are known triggers for Guillain-Barre syndrome. Uh, but really, it can be anything. It can be anything that triggers your autoimmune response. So you're part of the I Am Number 12 campaign, which is a national initiative uh, for awareness of, of rare diseases. Can you sort of expand on the campaign and, and why you're participating? Yeah, so the I Am Number 12 um, campaign is put on t- by Takeda, and it's a, a basically a group of change makers living with rare diseases or, or supporting a loved one of rare disease. Um, and they're basically at the forefront of the campaign. Uh, they are nominated by 13 rare disease advocacy groups. And basically our goal is to just increase understanding through our stories uh, to inspire positive change and to show Canadians that, you know, rare diseases, when accumulated all together, really aren't that rare. So why did you decide to, to participate? Or were you nominated and accepted? Or is this something, like, did you want to advocate? Yeah, I was I was nominated, um, but advocacy is a huge part of my life. Um, obviously, when I was going through Guillain-Barre syndrome, I felt very alone. I had never heard of this rare disease. I was in ICU for almost three months uh, and then recovered and, and uh, got back to my life. But after I recovered, I knew that bringing awareness to the rare disease that forever changed my life was such an important piece to me. Um, I wanted to show others that, you know, there is hope. You're not alone. Uh, there are people going through rare diseases, and you just have to kind of find those people. Uh, so ad- advocacy and just bringing awareness and showing people that, you know, there is life after these diseases and there is hope is very important to me. So I'm very honored to be a part of this amazing campaign. Again, forgive my ignorance. Are, are you recovered or do you still have GBS and it's maintained through through drugs or, or what's what's your current situation? So with GBS, um, everybody is so unique and so different. Everybody's case is different. Uh, for me, I did have a complete recovery. I deal with some mild residuals such as pain um, and uh, fatigue. I, I'm no longer on any medication, but every, like I said, every case is, is unique. So some people may uh, deal with weakness. Some people are left with using walkers or canes or in a wheelchair for the rest of their lives following Guillain-Barre syndrome. Other people do still deal with quite severe fatigue um, or, or nerve pain where they're on medication. Uh, and so another big reason why I, I do what I do and try to advocate for these diseases because there's a lot of people that are still struggling and, and may still feel the effects of this disease for the rest of their lives. So I'm interested to hear your perspective as somebody who had a rare disease, how we can improve support 
for Canadians like you and and their families? Because I, I would imagine there's a lot of stress that falls on the family too. It is. So I think the important thing is to um, provide support and, and bring that awareness. Um, one thing that's really important for me is to bring awareness to the doctors and the nurses. I mean, they may be experts on the diseases and, and they study it for years and years, but really we, the ones that are living through the diseases, are the ones that are the experts and truly understand. And so I think that's um, very, very important is to reach those doctors and nurses and and help them understand our disorders from our point of view. There's also a uh, first ever national strategy for drugs for rare diseases. So one of the aim of the campaign is just to ensure that we Canadians living with rare diseases have equitable access to the care and resources that we require. If there was one thing that you would want our listeners to know about rare diseases, what would that be? Uh, It would be that it can affect anybody at any age, no matter where you are, whether it's in Canada or where you are in the world. Um, Altogether, like I said, it affects one out of every 12 Canadians will be affected by a rare disease in their lives. When you add that all up together, it's really not that rare. If we've inspired somebody to learn a bit more about rare diseases and they want more information, what would you recommend? So I would recommend to visit the IM number 12 uh, CA campaign. So that's on Instagram. Uh, you can also share your own rare disease story through the hashtag IM number 12. Uh, and then uh, when you go to the Instagram page, it'll share all the change makers and their stories, as well as all the organizations. So you can actually consider donating to that rare disease patient organization and, and learn more about that specific person. Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. That was Holly Francis. We have to take a short break, but when we return, we'll discuss tongue exercises for your health on The Tonic. I'd like to give a shout out to our new sponsor, Omega Alpha. This company is 100% Canadian owned. Their team consists of allopathic and naturopathic doctors, nutritionists, researchers, and other scientific professionals, all led by their CEO, Dr. Gordon Chang. Formulations are created on their 40,000-square-foot facility located in Toronto. Omega Alpha uses only the highest quality ingredients to manufacture the most efficacious yet price-friendly nutraceuticals. For more information about Omega Alpha, visit OmegaAlphaInc.com. The Big Carrot is a worker-owned natural food market that's been committed to local, organic, non-GMO, and sustainable food systems since 1983. They're a one-stop shop offering produce, grocery, bulk, body care, and holistic dispensary. The juice and smoothie bars and kitchens serve up hundreds of healthy dishes and drinks daily. Building community is at the core of their vision, which they deliver through education, outreach, and giving. They want everyone to share in the goodness they offer. Visit their website for more information at thebigcarrot.ca. Welcome back to The Tonic, your prescription for a healthier and happier life. Here's your host and publisher of Tonic Magazine, Jamie Busson. Tony Ann Antoniato is a speech-language pathologist specializing in myofunctional therapy. She's also the CPO of SpotPal, a tongue training appliance product. Welcome to the show, Tony Ann. How are you? Thank you. I'm good. Thank you for having me. You are all about the strength of your tongue and tongue exercises. So why are tongues so important to our health? The tongue is so important, and it's, you know, and 
an organ and a group of muscles that most people don't really think too much about. But your tongue is so responsible for so much of what happens with your overall body's well-being. Your tongue in your mouth is one of the strongest muscles in your body. And it supports a lot of the development of the mouth and the facial structures. So a lot of how your face grows, how the roof of your mouth grows, how your teeth align, that has so much to do with your tongue. Um, And that's one of the reasons why it's so important. We also utilize our tongue for a lot of functions of our body. Obviously, chewing and swallowing is a big role of the tongue. We have to make sure we're using our tongue correctly and our tongue is functioning correctly so we can chew correctly and move the food in the mouth the way we need to to properly break down the food and then be able to swallow it correctly too. When we swallow, we want the food to go down appropriately so that we're not choking or coughing, and your tongue obviously plays a big role there too. In terms of other responsibilities, obviously your tongue is what helps you speak. So all the things I'm saying now, my tongue is moving all over the place. And if it wasn't moving in the correct place and it wasn't as strong as it should be, then it would impact my ability to speak correctly. Do our tongues weaken as we get older? Your tongues can, you know, weaken more so, not so much as you're getting older, but more so if you're not using your tongue correctly. And that can happen right from infancy. If a baby is not able to use their tongue as much as they should, or as we develop and grow or into adulthood, if there's anything that's stopping our tongue from being able to function correctly, then it will become a weaker muscle. And once that tongue is is weaker, it's not going to be able to carry out its functions correctly, and then it can impact other things, including our ability to breathe correctly, our ability to chew and swallow correctly, our ability to... Um, you know, want to swallow and be able to send that food down correctly. So if our tongue is weaker than it should be, then we're going to see symptoms that are going to arise for us. So as an adult, what would lead to your tongue weakening? Like what sort of things happen that would cause our tongue to be not its best, all that it can be? So if you are not resting your tongue correctly, your tongue um, gains so much of its natural muscle strength by being held correctly in the mouth. So as you sit there and you're not using your tongue, you should feel your tongue suctioned up in a light suction up to the roof of your mouth. Mm -hmm. When your tongue's in that position, which is the correct position, it's just naturally building muscle strength. So resting your tongue correctly will, or or resting your tongue incorrectly will definitely cause that muscle to weaken. I'm not conscious of how my tongue rests. It just does. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. why would somebody's tongue not rest in their mouths like it should? Right. Great question. So sometimes it is happening since you were younger and since you were a child, but maybe it never really surfaced into symptoms until you were older and you started snoring or having sleep apnea. Your tongue has plays a big role in snoring and sleep disturbances. However, maybe as a child you had a sucking habit. You sucked your thumb or your fingers, or maybe you were on the pacifier for too long or on the bottle for too long. Those things can encourage your tongue to rest more low in the mouth. And when your tongue is resting low, then it starts to not swallow correctly. And you start to have what's called a tongue thrust swallow, where your tongue is going forward to swallow rather than up to swallow. Um, So all of those things that, you know, maybe you never even thought of since when you were a child could set you up for improper tongue resting posture as an adult. 
So I used to be morbidly obese, and at that time, mm-hmm. I didn't have apnea, but I was a big snorer. Mm-hmm. Does being overweight impact your tongue, or is that just a collateral issue to snoring? Right, they kind of both play their roles in that. Okay. Um, you know, for your for your tongue, when your tongue is in that suction position, like we spoke about, then when you lie down, that that force of suction is keeping your tongue out of your airway. But if your tongue's not in that suction and it's not resting correctly, then when you lay down, instead your tongue is collapsing and falling back into your airway, and it's obstructing your airway just like say, enlarged tonsils or enlarged adenoids can interfere, your tongue can be just as much of an obstruction to your airway. Okay, so if we improve our tongue strength, we're actually impacting our overall health. Can you sort of explain in what ways having a stronger tongue will will help our overall health? Mm -hmm, Absolutely. So having a strong tongue is going to help you sleep better. So we're going to be able to keep that airway nice and open, probably not snore, not wake up feeling like you've barely slept, having that nice, adequate um, breath support because when your tongue's up, you're breathing through your nose and nasal breathing as a whole for your whole body is so beneficial. So your tongue being in the correct place can help you breathe through your nose and get in all that nice filtered air compared to mouth breathing where you're letting in all this unfiltered, dirty air into your body. Um, Your tongue can also help you digest food better and have better overall gut health because the first step of digestion is what happens in the mouth and how you chew and how you use your tongue to break down the food. And then also it's going to help you with your speech. It's going to help you with your face being able to develop appropriately. Um, One of the things as a myofunctional therapist that we work a lot with is we work with orthodontists because your tongue is so much stronger than your teeth. So if they put braces on or they do a powdle expander and they're trying to fix the alignment of your teeth, but your tongue's always pushing in the wrong places, your tongue can undo everything that the orthodontist is trying to do with braces or with that powdle expander. So we support the orthodontist plan a lot by getting that tongue off the teeth and off, you know, the lower jaw. It can cause underbites and overbites and crossbites. So all those malocclusions, um, your tongue can can help support as well. I'm going to add one. It's kind of inappropriate, but I would think it's (laughs) it's also, you know, having a strong tongue might be helpful sexually as well because, you know, the tongue is sometimes used as an important muscle in that activity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. You don't have to comment. That's okay. It's my show. <laughs> so, well, one thing I will say about that is that there are things that your sometimes your tongue can be um, tethered down to the floor of your mouth. You probably have heard of the term tongue tie. Yeah. Um, and that is a very common and something that we identify and re- make referrals for. But a lot of our adult patients who come to us with tongue ties, they will say things like, you know, I feel like I'm not a good kisser. I can't really use my tongue too much. Um, so it can definitely surface in that area too. <laughs> so if, if, if all the other stuff wasn't motivation enough, maybe we've given people <laughs> reason to do their tongue exercises, which brings me to my next question. You can appreciate that this media is audio, it's not visual, but can you walk us through some of the, some of the exercises that might help us strengthen our mm-hmm. tongue? 
Yeah. So focusing on that tongue being up in that suction, like you said, you know, I don't really think about that. But now that I made you think about that, making sure you always feel your tongue up there, that's an exercise in itself. You can do other things where you can try to get that same suction, but open your mouth. So, um, you know, click your tongue a little bit, that clicking sound and how you make that click is your tongue going up to the roof of your mouth. So try doing those clicks and then getting your tongue stuck in that click. That's that pull that we want to see and we work on a lot. Um, you know, sticking out your tongue and moving it side to side and looking in the mirror and making sure that your jaw is not moving side to side with your tongue. You want your tongue to do all that work. Um, that's what we call dissociation, where you can move your tongue but not move the, the jaw or the lips with it. Um, you can do um, an exercise that we call pointy tongue, where you stick out your tongue and you try to get it as skinny as you can, um, because that is engaging the lateral margins of your tongue, which is important to strengthen those muscles as well. So, uh, yeah, I can make like a clover leaf with my tongue and, and do little tongue tricks. <laughs> is, other, other than impressing people in bars, is there is there any physical utility in doing stuff like that? <laughs> Well, it is definitely engaging all those muscles in your tongue. So that is building some strength, some control, some coordination. Um, so, yeah, those are good, too. What about what about the proverbial tongue twisters? Is there any benefit to, like, you know, doing Peter Piper picks a, picked a peck of pickled definitely. peppers? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all that coordination. And, you know, when we say different words and different sounds, we are required to do one thing with our tongue, one thing with our lips, one thing with our jaw. And a lot of those little tongue twisters really require a lot of support and making sure you have all that control over all those muscles and all those structures. So, um, you know, they're called tongue twisters for a reason. And, yeah, it's a nice workout for the tongue, making sure that you see the tongue hitting spots inside your mouth. You know, in the English language, the only time your tongue should come to your teeth is for your TH sound. So other than that, you want to make sure you're always feeling your tongue inside your mouth and not touching your teeth for any other sound. Okay, one last question, and I have to ask this because your name is kind of a tongue twister, Tony Ann and Tony Adam. <laughs> is, it, is that really your name or is this, is this your show name so that people have a tongue twister and they'll be reminded of tongue strength? That's really my name. I mean, it's my married name, so I wasn't born with that name. But, um, yeah, I have a lot of vowels. I was actually very impressed that you said it correctly on the first try. Not many people do that. <laughs> uh, but it is, it's a good one for my profession. Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Yes, thank you for having me. It was so much fun. Thanks to all my wonderful guests, Andrea Donsky, Peggy Vandeplash, Holly Francis, and Tony Ann and Tony Addo. And thank you all for listening to The Tonic. You can listen or download this episode as a podcast with full show notes, contact information for our guests, and links at thetonic.ca. To find out more about the show, you can always follow us at It's The Tonic on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. For great articles by amazing health and wellness writers, be sure to pick up your copy of The Tonic magazine. The winter issue is now available free on racks at over 100 locations across the GTA and delivered with the Globe and Mail to home subscribers in Toronto, west of Victoria Park. Or you can visit our website, thetonic.ca. If you're interested in providing feedback or suggesting topics for the show, you can always email me at jamie at thetonic.ca. On our next show, we'll discuss the health and wellness issues that are important to you. Until then, this is Jamie Busson wishing you a healthy, happy week. 
This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.